Has anything changed in your life lately? Odds are it probably has. It seems like what was the norm is no longer the norm. It seems like what was predictable is, can't be predicted now. It seems like the things that we found security in are, well, they're now in question. My name is Chris Montgomery and I'm the pastor here at Fraser Church. And today I wanna to talk to you about change. Would you pray with me? Father, in this moment, we come before you and all of us have been experiencing change. But Lord, I thank you for your peace that surpasses understanding that we can have and we can walk in. And in this moment, I ask for you to open our eyes that we may see. Give us ears to hear and hearts to understand your will for each one of us. Would you speak to us, Lord? We pray this in Jesus' good and powerful name. Amen. If you're like me, you've experienced a lot of change recently. For me, I've moved to a new city, uh, moved to a new church. Uh, I have a new address. Been trying to figure out new dentists, new doctors, new pharmacies, new grocery stores, and that one's important. I feel like right now I have earned a PhD in change, not change management, just change itself. And while change can be good, um, sometimes there can just be a lot of it, a lot of it. And many times when we experience a lot of change in our life, uh, we find ourselves in a place where, well, we have change fatigue. Uh, we're just tired of all the change. And many times when we find ourselves living with change fatigue, we can become, if we're not careful, change resistant, where we find ourselves saying, if one more thing changes, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that, or I, I just I don't want one more thing to change. And no matter how big or how small it is, we just resist whatever change comes our way. Well, the problem with change is that many times it's unwanted. It, it just happens. And even though change is unwanted, the truth is, is that in life, change is, well, it's unavoidable. It's going to happen. And it's going to happen a lot. But even though we find ourselves maybe with change fatigue or we find ourselves becoming change resistant, and we find ourselves with unwanted change in our life, there is one change that we all need. We all need it. There is one change that God wants to constantly and continually bring into our life. In the Bible, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, <clears throat> Paul writes these words. He says that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. If you want to know what God looks like, well, you look at Christ. And this is important for us today because of what Paul is going to write in two other places. We're going to go to Romans chapter 8, verses 29 through 30, and then also 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. But let's look at Romans 8 first. Romans 8, 29 and 30 says, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them for a very specific reason. He chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his 
glory. Right here, this verse tells us that there is a very important goal that God has for our life. This goal is above all other goals, or it should be. Whatever, whatever goals we set for ourselves in life, this goal should rise above all of the rest. And the goal is simply this, is that God's goal is for me, for me, is His glory in me and through me. His glory in me and through me. Now, you may say, what does that mean? What does that mean? Glory. Well, whenever you see the word glory in the Bible, the word glory simply means it's when God is on display. If you think about a king or a queen sitting in his or her court with a crown, with a scepter, with robes, and everyone is there present, that's the image in mind. There's the king or the queen in all of his or her glory. And when God's glory is on display, those are those moments in life when God is shown and known. It's when God is visible in some way. And what these verses tell us is that God wants each of us to display His glory. God wants to show Himself. He wants to be shown and known. He wants to be visible in and through us. The problem is, well, we cannot do this on our own. Uh, I, I, there's not a, enough good in us to do this on our own. We're not holy enough to do this on our own. But this is where God steps in. If we say that God's goal for us is to display Himself through us, to be shown and known, to be visible in and through us, but we can't do it on our own, the question is, well, how does that happen? Well, that's where we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. Paul writes and says this, But whenever someone turns to the Lord, he says, the veil is taken away. Now, right there, he's referring back to the veil that Moses wore after he would come down off the mountain after meeting with God, and the glory of the Lord was on Moses. But he put a veil over his face to hide that glory from the people. But here he says, whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Verse 18 says, so all of us, who have had the veil removed, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him, more and more like Christ, as we are changed, there's our word, as we are changed into His glorious image. Right here we see God's process, if you will, how God brings change into our life, lasting change, ultimately making us more and more like Christ. It starts in verse 16. This is where he says that we have to continue to turn to God. We have to continue to turn to God. Verse 16 says, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, whenever they turn to the Lord, what I want you to notice here is that turning to the Lord is not a one-time event. It's not just something that we do at one point in time and space and then we never do it again. Turning to the Lord is something that we have to do often. We have to do a lot in life and we have to do it a lot in life. And God calls us to turn to Him over and over in life because, well, we get off course. We stumble. We sin. Matter of fact, Romans uh, 3.23 simply says, for all sin and fall short of the glory of God. We sin and fall short of the glory of God. And this should not surprise us. 
because we get off course naturally in life. We stumble naturally in life. We actually sin naturally in life. And we do that because we have a sin nature. We have a sin nature that is very real and very much alive today. Sometimes when we look out into society, we, we, we see the injustice. Uh, we, we see scandal and sin all around us and, and we think, how could someone do that? Well, that's actually not odd because we all have a sin nature in us. In fact, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7 verse 15, he says this. He says, for I do not understand my own actions. This is the, this is the Apostle Paul. I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. I do not do what I want to do in following God, but I find myself doing the very thing that I hate. And this is why we have to continue to turn to God. Because God is the change agent. He is the course corrector in our life. Every year we try to go down and take Eddie Ray to the beach. And we'll walk out onto the beach and we'll put our stuff down in the sand and then you walk straight out from your things, your towels and the buckets and the shovels and all those things. You walk straight out into the water. And as we're out there playing in the water, something naturally happens. As we're playing in the water, the current naturally causes us to drift off course. And so if you spend any length of time out there, you look up and you realize you're no longer right in front of your towel and your bucket and your shovel. No, no, you've drifted away. And again, this naturally happens in life. And whenever you realize you've drifted away, well, now you've got to course correct. Now, now you've got to go back upstream a little bit to get back in line with where you left your stuff. It, the same is true in life. The same is true in life. As we are living life, the current of culture, the current of our own sin nature, naturally causes us to drift away. And so over and again, time and time again, we turn back to God. We continue to turn back to God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 9, Paul wrote, he said, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And then he lists out this list of sins. We would all look at these, this list of sins, most of us, and we would say, yes, those are, those are sins. Those are bad sins. Well, in verse 11, he picks up his argument and says, now that you see this list of sins, please remember, such were some of you. Such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Again, it is God who changes us. It is God who helps us course correct in life. And that's why we have to continue to turn back to Him. In fact, the word turn here, it means to turn, yes, but to turn and return. To turn and return. We do it over and over in life. And so if we're ever going to become like Christ, it starts with us being willing to continue to go back to God, continue to turn back to God. And as we continue to turn back to God, the second thing happens, and that is we continue to experience God's freedom. This is verse 17. He says, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. One thing that I know about you and one thing that I know about me is that there is more freedom for us 
to experience. That God wants us to experience more and more freedom in our life. And so many times, <clears throat> so many times, we settle for a salvation that only applies to eternity. We think, here am I, it's me here, God is there, and one day me here will be with God there. When the gospel message to us is that the God who is there wants to be with me here right now. The God who is up there, he is Emmanuel, God with us. He wants to be here with me right now. That's why Paul wrote in verse 17, for the Lord is the spirit and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, whether in heaven or on earth, there on location is freedom. There is freedom. And the more we confess, the more we repent, the more we acknowledge our own limitations, the more this limitless God sets us free and therefore the more he can be on display in and through us. And so we have to continue to turn to God. That, that's the first part. We have to continue to turn to God. But the more we turn to God, the more we experience His freedom in our life. And then the third thing happens. And that is the more we continue to become like Christ. Again, that's verse 18. He says this. And so all of us who have had the veil removed, we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him, like Him, as we are changed into His glorious image. Remember also Romans 8.29. Romans 8.29 says, For God knew His people in advance and chose them. He chose them to become like His Son. Any pursuit in life, I would say, any pursuit in life where the end result is not us becoming like Christ. We need to know that that pursuit will not last. It will not last. And in fact, it will not last because it will not satisfy us. And then we'll find ourselves having another craving or another pursuit in life and we'll find ourselves pursuing it. But over and over, Scripture reminds us that if we're going to model our life after anyone, it has to be Christ. In fact, Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians, in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, he says, Therefore, be imitators of God. Notice that. If you're going to imitate anybody in life, imitate God as beloved children. The question is, how do I do that? How can I be an imitator of God? He says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. If you want to imitate God, you have to walk in love. Well, how do I know what love looks like? He says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. If, this verse is telling us, if I want to imitate God, I have to know what love is. If I'm going to know what love is, I have to know who Christ is and I have to understand his self sacrificial love. This means that Christ is the example. It means that Christ is the standard. And it means that being like Christ is the goal. Paul says something similar in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. In 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Now, you may say, well, hang on just a second. 
I thought the Bible just said, I thought Paul just said, be imitators of God. And now he's saying, imitate me. Notice what he says here. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. What Paul is saying here is imitate only, only what you see of Christ in me. That's what Paul is saying. He's not saying follow Paul. No, he's saying follow the Christ you see in me. Again, Christ is the example. Christ is the standard. And therefore, Christ is the goal. So many times in life, we pride ourselves on being originals. It's as if we, we want to be nonconformist and we want to be our own person in some way. The problem is, is, well, we're going to imitate somebody. There's going to be somebody that we look to and look up to and therefore imitate our life after. Ian McGilchrist, in his book, The Master and His Emissary, he explores the differences uh, in the brain, in the left and right hemisphere. In that book, he says this. He says that babies as little as 45 minutes old can imitate facial gestures. It is in every one of us, every one of us, to look to someone and then imitate what we see in them. It is a part of life. The question is, who is that going to be? Who are you going to keep your eyes on? Remember what Paul said? He said, we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. Who are we going to keep our eyes on? And therefore, who are we going to imitate in life? My prayer is that that would be Christ and Christ alone. Now, you may ask a question, and that is, how do I know? How do I know when I'm becoming more like Christ? How, how, what will I see in my life? How will I know that? Well, let me give you three things to look at. The first one is this, is I know I'm becoming more like Christ when I'm seeing God on display around me. When I'm able to look out in the world around me and I see God on the move. One day Jesus was teaching and his disciples came to him and they said, why do you teach in parables? Why do you walk around to all these people and you just tell these stories over and over again? Well, in Matthew 13, verse 13, Jesus gives the answer. He says this. He says, this is why I speak to them in parables. This is why I do it. Because seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this, people's hearts have grown dull. And their ears, with their ears, they can barely hear. And their eyes, they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, there's the word, and I would heal them. But in verse 16, he says this, but blessed are your eyes. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Blessed are your eyes, and blessed are your ears. You see, the more we are turning to God, the more we are experiencing God's freedom in our own life, the more we are becoming like Christ. He gives us eyes to see His work in the world around us. And you may say, well, why is this important? Well, it's important because, well, like sees like. 
Like sees like. We, we've all experienced this. Have you ever bought a new car or a car that was new to you and you were proud of it? We'll call it a, a blue Jeep. You ever bought a blue Jeep, so proud of it, you wash it, you drive it down the road, and then everywhere you go, you start seeing what? You start seeing blue Jeeps all around you because now you have one and now you're aware of it. Now you take pride in it, and then now you start seeing it everywhere you go. The same is true when, it is when we are becoming like Christ. The more we become like Christ, we start seeing and understanding the world around us. The veil is removed. We start seeing and understanding the world around us like Christ. I've had many conversations with people over the years, and, and, and some of those conversations you know, are conversations where people say, I don't see God anywhere around me. I don't see God anywhere around me. And then I have other conversations with people, and they say the exact opposite. They say, I see God everywhere around me. I see God on the move in amazing ways. I see God in my family. I see God working at my work. I see God when I'm on vacation. I just They see it. They hear it. That veil has been removed. And the more I'm becoming like Christ by turning to Him and experiencing His freedom in my life, the more that is happening, the more I see God at work around me. But the second thing is this. Not only do I see God around me, I also see God moving within me. I see God on display within me. What I mean by that is that my affections and my actions start aligning with Christ. My affections and my actions start aligning with Christ. Now, you may ask, what does that look like? Well, Jesus actually tells us what that looks like in John chapter 5. In John 5, 19, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son of Man can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees Notice that. Not only, only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. When I am becoming like Christ, I'm turning to him. I'm experiencing the freedom I need so that I can be like him. When I'm becoming like Christ, the affections of my heart and the actions of my life begin to align more and more with Christ and therefore begin to align more and more with my Father who is in heaven. So the more we turn, the more we experience, the more we become like Him. And what that means is the more we see God on display around us and the more we see God on display in us. He wants to be shown and known. He wants to be visible in and through us. But not only that, the third thing is this, and that is the more I'm becoming like Christ, it means that I'm seeing more of Christ around me, and I'm seeing more of Christ in me the longer I live. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, again, Paul says, And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more, notice that phrase, more and more like Him, like Christ. As we are changed into His glorious image. More and more. More and more. This is the constant change we need. The constant change that we need is to become more and more like 
Christ. Sometimes we think of following Christ, and we think that it is in some way arriving at some static position in life. And this even comes out in our language. We say things like, well, they're a good Christian, meaning they have somehow attained this level of goodness. Therefore, we say they're good. They're in the category of good. Or we use better language, which would be they're a mature Christian. They're in the category of mature. And while we're trying to give people compliments with that, we have to keep in mind that following Christ is not about achieving or reaching some certain category in the Christian life. It's not. Following Christ is about more and more. It's about step by step. It's about day by day I reflect the glory of the Lord more and more. It's about maturing, not just being mature. It's about growing, not just being a grown-up Christian. And that's the change we need. Sometimes the change is we need to start that journey. Sometimes the change is we need to continue that journey and make sure that we do not become complacent with the growth we've already experienced. But ask ourselves the question, am I growing more and more? And the longer I live, am I seeing more and more of Christ in me? Am I seeing more and more of God's work around me as well? We live in a world of change. There's a lot changing out there. There's a lot going on. But there's one change we need. And there is one change that God wants to consistently and constantly bring into our life. And that is we become more and more like His Son. What would it be? What would it be if when it came to becoming like Christ, we prayed the simple prayer, Lord, have your way. Just have your way. What would it be if we would pray the simple prayer that Jesus prayed? It's not easy, but it's simple. And that is, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Whatever it takes, Lord, for me to become like your son, would you do it? I'd like to ask you right now, wherever you are, wherever you are, could we just pause for a moment and pray that audacious, dangerous prayer for ourselves? Would you pray with me? Father, in this moment, wherever we are, whatever we're experiencing, Lord, in one sense, we bend our knee, we bow our head, we lift up our hands and we say, Lord, have your way. Whatever it takes for us to become like your son, have your way. Lord, we say with boldness, Lord, not our will, but yours be done. May we become like your son. Lord, we ask that it would be so in each and every one of our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' good and powerful name. Amen.